0: This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary.
1: Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. This is episode 497. My name is Christine, and I'm one of the hosts of Unseminary. And today I'm joined by Rich, the founder. And before we get going, Rich, I've got a couple of questions for you to kick us off. Today we're talking about hiring and onboarding mistakes. I'm curious,
0: over the years, how many church leaders have you hired? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it would be more than 30, somewhere in that in that range. And have you made some of these mistakes we're going to talk about? <laughs> well, isn't that everything we write? It's like we're trying to solve our own problems. So yeah, absolutely. It's never a problem for me to come up with, don't do this, or here's a problem, here's a mistake. And so yeah, absolutely, I've made some of these mistakes. All right, well, we're looking forward to hearing about the article. Yeah, hiring is the single most expensive decision that most church leaders will make in the course of the ministry. In many churches, staffing accounts for anywhere between 30 to 50%. You know, I've worked in churches where it's pushing almost sixty percent of their annual budget. Uh, you want to make sure that as a, as a new hire starts, as someone comes on board with your team, that you that that investment, that you know all that money, time, effort, and energy that you've put into them, that it's kind of there's a good return for your church, your good stewardship of that. Um, you know, every time we hire someone, it shifts the culture of the future of your church. I know you might not believe me. You're listening and you're saying, no, come on. I just hired someone. There's no way it's going to shift the future of my church. Well, why are you hiring someone? if you're not hoping that it will change the future of your church. That's the whole point. You're hiring someone because you think that things are going to change, hopefully get better, but they may not necessarily get better. And so what we want to do is ensure that we leverage the onboarding process as much as possible. So we need to make this kind of the first whatever that is, 60, 90 days, you know, first six months, the first year, you know, when I was, when I was younger, when I was a young wee lad, uh, I was a Royal Canadian Air Cadet. Doesn't that sound fancy? Uh, but it's really just an opportunity to volunteer and, uh, take some free gliding lessons. Gliding is so fun. A glider is a plane without an engine in it. And, um, you know, what they would do is you'd pull you up to a few thousand feet and then let you off and uh and then you would just glide your way back down to the ground. You know, over the years I loved going on these glider weekends where you get a chance and, to do a whole bunch of different gliding. But one of the things I noticed as a young person and then now it obviously makes sense as an adult is they would let us fly the gliders. I don't know if this was legal. I don't know if I could be getting people in trouble. They would let <laughs> us fly them like up in the air, but they never let us take off they never let, let us take off or land them Uh, that was always someone who knew exactly what they were doing and why is that because takeoff is so important landing is so important that initial ascent as you take off the runway in this case we were being pulled behind another plane critically important the same is true in a higher man takeoff is critically important the first hour The first day, the first week, the first month, the first six months, critically important. So today what we want to do is uh, find some common mistakes, things that go sideways that are not, you know, that could hinder, uh, you know, as new team members come on board as, as you see them get connected.
1: All right. So you've got five mistakes that you've seen churches make. Maybe you've made them yourselves, hard to say. <laughs> no, every one of these I've made, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, these are gifts to 2021 church leaders. So the first mistake is the definition of winning is
0: foggy. Tell us more. All right, so um, everyone that works at your church needs a crystal clear understanding of whether they're winning or losing a clear picture of what the win looks like in their area is critically important for the well-being of our team members. In fact, studies have been shown that people would that people prefer the feeling of losing over the feeling of being unsure whether they're winning or losing. So, think about that for a second. People would rather know what the target is and not be hitting it than be unaware of what the target is. Having a clear set of goals for new team members in their first 90 days is an important part of the onboarding process. This can be as simple as a list of people that they need to meet with or a series of activities that need to take place. Being crystal clear on exactly what people need to do as they begin can launch them in the right direction and set uh, as they, as they set off in the new role as a church. Don't allow the definition of winning to be foggy or unclear to them, but go out of your way to define this with as much granularity as possible. In fact, I've had team members over the year as we've done this, they've said, Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for, for just making this easy for me. You know, I would joke uh, sometimes with people on their first day, but listen, your job today is to just find the bathroom. That's it. I, that You don't have anything else to do today. Just find the bathroom. Obviously, that's a little bit of a joke, uh, but you want to be as clear as that. You want to be as crystal clear as possible.
1: All right. Well, you've got some really practical next steps for the first 90 days to kind of fight against each of these mistakes. Which one did you want to highlight in this area?
0: Yeah. So we've got a couple of these on each of them. You can just, we don't have to go through them all, uh, but check out the PDF that's attached or look at the, at the show notes. You'll see more information about that. So the one, I think here, the kind of keystone practice that is a good thing to fight against this is to write out, to take the time to write out a one or two page description. Uh, of what the first wins the new team member should focus on. So this literally can be like, here are the 18 people you need to meet with. Here are the three projects you need to research. Here are the, that kind of thing. You want to go out of your way. It doesn't need to be long. A couple pages uh, to just define for them, hey, here are your first steps over the next month, over the next two months, that sort of thing.
1: All right. Um, Second mistake, relational dynamics are ignored. Now, we have moved a few times. Yes. um, And so our kids have been the new kids a couple of (laughs) times. True. I feel like as parents, we've tried to be really intentional to kind of help them through being the new kid. Yeah, true. Seems to me the same dynamic is true for
0: new church leaders in a new context. So true. So they say, again, whoever they is, this is one of those things I picked up at some point, someone else's idea, I... I just have lost the the uh, who to who credit it to. They say that every staff member needs three things to succeed. Uh, they need a clear, which the first one was this, a clear sense of winning and losing. So, you know, who, you know, what, what am I winning or losing? The second thing they need, which I pull listed here, is they need a friend at work. Uh, they need someone who frankly... They can kind of chirp about things and be like ah this is terrible i don't like this thing and they're not worried that it's going to get back to whoever they have to worry that it's going to get back to that is an important piece of kind of feeling great about work people need friends at their places of employment Uh, giving people clear relational clues in uh, in the early days is it important for them to develop relationships? That you need to tell them, hey, it's an important thing here. You should be friends with these people. A good practice on this front is on the first day is to, or in the first couple months, is to really allocate to them to point out to them. Here's a mentor for the first ninety days. Someone that they can meet with regularly, maybe once a month or maybe once a week or once every couple weeks. Maybe this person takes them out for lunch on the very first day. Uh, that and, and you want to do this. This person should not just be a like the wide sage mentor who knows everything, but I would work to, when I, when we thought about these in the past, I would try to work, think about, hmm, who do I think they might naturally be friends with? And let's actually put some accelerant behind that and say, hey, mentor, uh, your job is to develop a relationship with these people. So uh, relational dynamics, they're super important. Don't, you know, if you're a driven person, if you're a three Enneagram and all you're worrying about is getting stuff done, uh, you need to be thinking about this. How can we help people develop friends in uh, their first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days?
1: Well, the mentor suggestion is super practical, of course. Is there another next step that you'd want to zero in on on this one?
0: Yeah. So this is like a super, this is like a small tactic. Uh, but I know as a newcomer, I love this. Uh, hand out name tags to the first team meeting that the new team member is in. So if you've been in that where you're in a room of eight people and and you look around, and you know Bob, and you know Sue, but there's six other people. You have no idea who they are. Um, at that first meeting, you we can make a fun of, make fun of it, make a joke of it, and, and you know, put a name tag on them. Uh, make sure you go out of your way to have people introduce themselves. Hey, this is my job. This is what I do here. I, I this was I had someone do this. This wasn't when I was a first time staff member. It was when I was a coach, a consultant in a church. And it, the first time I showed up there, they did that, and I was like, man, that was so great. What a gift to me. Because it made me feel welcome. And it's one of those things, even if they don't remember everyone's name, it communicates such deep value to them. It says, hey, you're important to us. You're important enough that we're going to do the goofy thing of putting name tags on us. So, yeah, put name tags on uh, for the first team meeting that the new team member arrives at.
1: All right. The third mistake is that technology training is skipped. I think this is so good. Even when people kind of would say that they're tech savvy. Sometimes it's just that they know their systems or yeah, the platforms that they've used. They're yes. they're super comfortable with them, but yep. they still need training in whatever you're using. Yeah, this is so true. I
0: I so I in the last 5 years have started uh, working in an organization that ha- has a number of people who are technologically challenged. And I I am naturally a technology person. It does not scare me. I love trying new things. I'm happy to jump in and try it. But that's not how everyone is. In fact, uh, people, there's lots of people out there who are scared of new technology. And the other thing, like you said, Christine, is that there is so much technology that that just. Over time, gets bolted into what we do as a church. Technology is increasingly the air we breathe at our churches. Obviously, we've all seen this in the last year, uh, as our churches have become more remote, and as we've you know figured out all this this you know stuff. Our churches have a constellation of church management systems, email management systems, content systems, service planning, blah blah blah. So much of it. This can be a bewildering amount of detail to think through when you're starting a new role. If you want to show care for people as you're onboarding them, you should give, you go out of your way to assume or to not assume uh, that people know how to use Google Docs or Office 360. Provide training time for them to watch some training videos or to take a class in the first 90 days uh, to accelerate their effectiveness. And this, from if for the efficiency wonks among us, this will accelerate the productivity of your people. If you have an honest, open conversation on the front end, In fact, a part of your pre, before you hire them, maybe it's after you, they accept the offer. You say, Hey, can we just have an honest conversation? Here's a list of all the technology we use how much of this do you, have you used before and and you'll know some of those is a, you know is a, is maybe frivolous it's like oh they can pick it up but if you're like in service programming and you use planning center and you've nev- this person has never used planning center before you're going to need to get them training on planning center so let's 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 think about this area work hard to ensure that people understand and have some training uh, on the whole technology area
1: Any one particular next step you want to zero in on?
0: Yeah. So this kind of falls up with this. I pulled together a team of, you know, pulled together a few team members, kind of those people that are not necessarily the most tech savvy. It's kind of that B team technology people, because the most tech savvy people it's all just water to them. They don't see it. Or it's all just air. They, they just don't see it. It's just there. Pull that group together and, and get a whiteboard out and say, let's list all the pieces of technology that the new this new hire is going to have to use. I've done this and you'll be surprised at how many pieces of technology there actually are. Uh, pull together that list uh, and then say, okay, what do we need to do to bring people up to speed on those?
1: All right. The fourth mistake says your team culture is assumed. Tell us more.
0: Have you ever stepped back and gone through uh, the critical stat, the critical task of making your implicit team culture explicit, rather than just assuming that everyone knows what it's like to work at your organization? Taking time to actually work through important aspects of your culture can help onboard team members ensure that they don't stub their toe as they engage with their team. And this one's a little bit hard. I was trying to kind of it's like it's like nailing down Jello. What am I talking about here? Um, You know, this might be kind of a a series of onboarding conversations. We had these at Liquid where we did, I think it was 10 weeks in a row, where we looked at kind of a different aspect of what it was like to work in our culture. And we had a team member talk about those things and discuss them. These could be things as simple as, um, hey, what is you know how, what does it mean to work here? Like, what is what is it not? What does our job look like? We're going to deal with that in the next one a little bit more, but but it could be something like tithing. Like this is a good example at at Liquid when we onboarded people, a part of our hiring process was to talk about hey, you know our church we value we're a tithing church we value that we teach that as a principle we really do think that God's people are called to tithe. So right up front we're going to ask you hey, how is it that you would like to give to the church? Would you like to, and, and here's five or six different ways you could do that, or three or four different ways that you could do that. That's an important part of our team culture. You'd rather have that conversation up front than a year from now, someone starts and they've never given. And then now they're out of step with the broader culture. They, they, they Now you gotta have a bigger conversation, which is, hey, how come you're not plugged in to this culture? Uh, listen, we want to bring them up to speed, helping your team understand, new team members understand what it means to work at your church rather than to be a part of it. This is an important piece of the puzzle that there's often the kind of, it's like everyone loves the sausage, no one loves or sees the sausage factory. You've got to talk about what is it like to work here, not just to be here, not just to be a part of this church, but to be a part of the people who make this church happen so uh team culture critically important go out of your way to articulate those things particularly that could create a rub for for new people
1: yeah i feel like that could require quite a bit of pre-hiring work but i also think it could actually make it a more attractive place to work so if that those conversations are happening out and before you're onboarding somebody you might even have better candidates on your hands
0: yeah absolutely and and you know they're again um part of what liquid has done very well and this had nothing to do with me which was great and a lot of it's happened after we left um working hard to articulate what is your team culture and then using that in the hiring process so at liquid at one of our our, so there are three values uh truth is relevant uh grace wins And church is fun. Each one of those have an edge to them. Each one of them have a, ooh, you've got to be able to kind of, uh, you know, live and they've worked out what does that mean as a staff member in those? So yeah, absolutely. If we can articulate those, that helps us even in the hiring process more so.
1: All right. Um, The fifth mistake. Well, everyone wants to work at a place that values balance. Um, (laughs) But what if, this is the mistake, your church's definition of work-life balance is unclear?
0: Yeah, so this really is almost like point B of the last one I kind of cheated here and did like four and a half but I think this one is one of those rubs where I've seen uh, cause so many problems in the church Uh, every church has a slightly different nuance on how they work through how people are to balance their work and their life much of our ministry becomes a lifestyle rather than a nine to five job. And being really clear on how that works itself out in your team in the first 90 days will really prevent two things. One, it will prevent, uh, it will ensure that there are missed expectations. So if your expectation is insert whatever, you know, whatever that expectation is, if you don't clearly articulate this, I know you know this friends, but an unarticulated expectation is just creating an opportunity for there to be frustration. So that's the one thing. The other piece of it is if you don't clearly articulate what the work-life balance is, actually in those early days, people can develop negative work habits that could cause them to burn out long term. So take time to be explicit in what your expectations are around when people work. What you know, how often they have to come into the office? If you're fully remote, when do they need to be available online? Those sort of things. What? How do you communicate people in the non-work hours? I know for me, a couple. A couple. Just give you some practical examples of this. Over the years, I've. Um, I've said to staff members, listen, there are three ways that I'm primarily going to, or four ways I'm primarily going to communicate with you. One is in meetings. So when you're in meeting, you should respond. But then when it's not in meetings, there's three other ways I'm going to communicate to you. If I send you an email, what I'm indicating to you is I need to hear back within 24 hours. That's, you don't need, which means I don't need you to jump on this right now, or I need you to, to, to get back when we work again. You know So if I send you an email on Saturday, Hey, if your first work day is Monday, get back to me on Monday. If I send you a text then I'm expecting you to get back to me in the next hour. If I text you, you don't need to drop everything, but I would anticipate this is an important enough issue for you to get back to me within the next hour. If you're in a meeting, you can wait until that meeting and then get back to me. But if I phone you, if I actually ring you, I'm calling you because I want you to pick up the phone and talk to me. And if we're not clear about that, it gets fuzzy in people's brains around how do I communicate? What is it? What does my supervisor mean? You know, there's a whole thing around which we can get into if you're interested around how do we articulate um, people's work times and like, you know, what is a 40 hour work week or 45 hour, 50 or hour work week and finding a way to clearly articulate to that people is a gift to them so that again, expectations aren't, aren't, aren't uh, missed.
1: All right. Um, well, what could a church leader do if they feel like they need some help in this area?
0: In the, which area are we talking about?
1: In the in the area of hiring and onboarding and those. Sorts oh, so of things. just the whole thing, yeah. yeah. So,
0: particularly, I think there's an interesting. Uh, if I can speak honestly to folks, there is something about onboarding people in their twenties that can be particularly challenging. Um, you know, whether people are in their first career or their kind of first vocational ministry experience uh all of these problems we've talked about are are just accentuated they become an even kind of bigger issue so onboarding people in their 20s i think all of these things are true but even more so but you know what i love dave and our friends over at leadership pathway and they've launched this brand new 12 month coaching process uh that is it's pretty amazing what they do is they've said hey if you've got a new staff member that's in their 20s What we'll do is we'll, not me, Leadership Pathway, Leadership Pathway will meet with that staff member once a month for 12 months. And they go over uh, kind of all of this great training about the really the soft side of working in ministry. Now, we all know that soft skills are ultimately those things that seem to break people in ministry. It's not hard skills. It's not running planning center. It's how they engage with their volunteers that causes problems. And so I just want to highlight this. It's called the first steps coaching or first steps coaching. If you scroll to the bottom of the the show notes, you can click on there to learn more about it. Reach out to my friend, Dave. Uh, He'd love to tell you more about it. I think it's a really great opportunity for churches, particularly that are looking to onboard team members in their first year who are in their 20s. Awesome. That sounds super practical.
1: Well, thank you, Rich. And thank you to our listeners. You can find this and other helpful articles at unseminary.com.